Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available on wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. First of all, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're enjoying the day, safely, of course. We have another great show for you. We have yet more college hockey talk. I'll speak with Jack Adams, the outstanding senior forward who is transferring from Union to Providence after the Dutchman decided to cancel their season last week because of the coronavirus pandemic. I'll then speak with ECAC Hockey Commissioner Steve Hagwell about the decision to play with just four of the conference's 12 teams this season. Well, we expected to preview the UAlbany and Siena men's and women's basketball seasons, but because of the coronavirus pandemic, we don't have any previews to talk about, but uh, we can talk about what's going to happen and what we think can happen with the man who covers both the programs, uh, sports editor Mike Kelly. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. What are your thoughts? I mean, how crazy has this been? <laughs> what are my thoughts? Um, how crazy this has been is a really good place to start. Um, I would say... The most unusual thing right now, so we have four Division I teams in the area. None of them are currently practicing. We kind of think we know when Siena might start practicing, but we don't know for sure. We have no idea when Albany is going to start <laughs> practicing. And we really don't know when any of the teams are going to play games. Um, so you and I here talking on a Tuesday night, college basketball starts Wednesday at the Division I level, uh, but not around here. Uh, I mean, obviously, you Albany Center, I think, were supposed to play in, in Bubbleville at uh, the Mohegan Sun. Uh, I mean, how disappointed for them is not being able to, to play because they I mean, I, you know, get a chance to you know, get some games in before even conference play started. Yeah, you know, and, and I think to back up for a second, too, I mean, this was a delayed start anyway. We were supposed to start November 10th. So even right now, we're, we're talking about a delay for these teams of when, you know, a few months ago they would have expected to be playing. Um, Sienna is still hoping to play at, uh, I don't think I've said Bubbleville out loud. I've written it. Uh, it's, that's, it's an interesting, hashtag, hashtag Bubbleville. It's an interesting term. Um, I mean, they'd still like to play there on kind of the, the back end of the dates that are allowed. And the organizers of that event are trying to find ways to accommodate teams because pretty much every few hours they have a game. Uh, removed from their schedule. Their schedule actually, like, I forget exactly the exact wording, but it has, like, something like, like, very much subject to change. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's very um, fluid. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think, I mean, Albany is not going to end up there because at this point, they just haven't practiced. I, you know, with, with the Albany teams, I really don't know when they could play because they've only had, like, I think the men have had five full contact practices at this point, and that was the last of those was weeks ago. Um, that they're pretty much going to have to, you would think, restart um, and really do a full preseason. Um, so for them, I, for for Albany, I don't even know if it's disappointment about not playing in Bubbleville because they are so far away. I think from playing a real game. It seems like the the uh, virus has been a bigger factor at Albany than at Siena because it seemed, you know, obviously they, the limit number of practice seems Siena seemed to be working out okay until you hit it over there. And the Siena women were the last ones to be affected by it. Right. They were the last ones. Um, 
The Albany women's basketball program, as far as we know, too, hasn't actually had anything directly with their program. Um, but I mean, you Albany, it's a larger school um, that has administered a lot more tests um, that I mean, I think, you know, the, that school in general just has because of its size um, is going to have more issues mm -hmm. than a, a smaller school like Siena. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to affect everybody. I mean, that's that's kind of the reality of this, yeah. right? Yeah, my son goes to Albany. He's been taking classes from, from home since the spring last year, and I don't think he wants to step foot on campus again. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a senior season. But uh, uh, what does this do? What's the impact going to be with not, not being able to work out? And then once they get going and try to get in some kind of game shape or practice shape? Yeah, I think the thing – that it's going to do is, you know, I don't think Siena, those teams necessarily have to go back to, to square one and really restart because they did get a good number of practices in and hopefully are only going to be shut down for about two weeks. But those Albany teams are, you know, they, they I think the Albany men have not practiced since November 2nd and the women are a week later than that. And they had the delayed start anyway, because like you mentioned, they had a variety of pauses. Um, as a as a whole athletic department, um, so I just you know for for Albany you know maybe you play mid December maybe late December I mean I think their first scheduled game at this point is their conference games which are uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of like December 18 19 um, you know and that's almost like too soon probably mm -hmm. for. For them, that I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how they try to increase their activity, do it safely, um, not even from a pandemic standpoint, but just they've got athletes who haven't been doing anything athletic for several weeks at this point, um, that they're not going to be able to just jump into getting ready to play a Division One basketball game. How does this affect the schedule? Because obviously you mentioned they what were looking at what schedule, yeah. Uh, I mean, because you know, we're seeing – and we're seeing it now. I mean, Hockey East, I mean, I'm totally college hockey example. I mean, Hockey East has had several schedule changes already when they start the season last weekend. And in Vermont, um, another basketball, American East basketball school, also Hockey East school, they paused activities through uh, December. So, uh, how, how is it going to be a fair schedule? What, or there's no such thing as fair this year? I think everything's fair <laughs> because <laughs> everything is unfair. <laughs> Um, for, for everyone. Um, I do think, uh, so, I mean, the direct answer to your question is I have no idea how they're going to do the schedules because, you know, they've come up with so many different models and ideas. Um, I, I do think what you are going to see is once we get into conference play, um, you're going to see some on the fly scheduling. Um, and I think that you will see like a, you'll see two Mac schools, I think, play each other, and it won't count as a Mac game. Because mm -hmm. um, I think I think very quickly the reality of we need to play 13 games to hit that minimum to qualify for the NCAA tournament is going to set in for these teams. Um, you know, it's just because we look at, um, you know, if, if you look at New Albany situation, just realistically how many games are they going to play before January? Um, you know, and that answer, it's not, it's definitely not more than five and that's the high end, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then you kind of have to expect, um, which I think all these coaches and programs do that, 
you know, you're, you're trying to get through right now and get to be able to play some games, but something's probably going to happen in January or February again with, you know, either somebody in your program testing positive or somebody that you're about to play testing positive, um, that you're not just losing games now, you're going to lose games in January and February as well. New Iona coach uh, Rick Bettino, because obviously a veteran coach in college basketball. I've heard of him. Yeah, so you've heard, you've heard of him. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad you heard him. Uh, he tweeted out uh, a few days ago that he thinks it'd be a good idea to uh, maybe wait until earlier, the early start to start play earlier in 2021 and have the uh, NCAA tournament in May instead of March. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, his, his idea basically is start the season in January and then do kind of the conventional like five-month season, but it ends in May, um, either May Madness or yeah. uh, May Mayhem. Um, <laughs> May, however, I like May Mayhem however, better. However you want to <laughs> can, go can we, can we Can we trademark that quickly? I think, I think actually former Siena coach Damian Christian probably – he's probably got the May Mayhem already set. Um, but, I mean, I think, I think it's really – so, so we are gonna. There are gonna be games played. So, like within the next few days. So we're not gonna really start in January. I do think that it's possible that the tournament moves to May. Um, I think the NCAA's move to uh, to to basically move all the tournaments games to one city, uh, one geographic area. I think is how they characterized it. Um, I think that makes it easier to move the tournament, you know, back a month, two months if they need to, because mm -hmm. you're only working with one area. Um, they, I, you know, pretty steadfastly have said, you know, we're, we're doing the tournament in March and, you know, ending in early April. Um, but I just think when we get to January, there's going to be some reality that sets in when, you know, you have teams in the top 10 that have played a couple games and maybe their next couple games are also canceled. Yeah. Has there any, been any thought to Siena, UAlbany, the MAC, America East, maybe shutting it down like we saw with the Ivy Leagues and, and then Union and RPI hockey? I don't think so. Um, you know, both the MAC or, or let's back up. So, like, I mean, probably they have. <laughs> um, have they said that? No. I mean, they're, they're 100%, you know, in the camp of, that basketball is their is their number one sport. They have a lot of financial reason to play that sport because there's a big check that comes out uh, every March, April uh, related to that tournament that you have to get into. Um, so, I mean, I, I think if there is a, let's put it this way, if there is a college basketball season that ends with a national tournament, there will be an American East and a MAC team in that tournament. What's the tournament going to look like? I mean, obviously they don't usually take all the teams, but can it can it realistically uh, work this year with the tournament uh, conference tournaments? I mean, conference do, 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 do you mean yeah, conference? Do you mean do they just play it on campus sites this time around, and or stuff? Do they go like the Mac goes down to Atlantic City, or yeah, America East is more of a home course anyway. Yeah, well, the, the America East has ominously just kept saying, you know, we'll let you know about the postseason when we get there. Um, so we really actually don't know what they're going to do. And it actually, for them, it would make more sense to find a centralized place because if you're going to do their normal style tournament where, you know, you do teams one through eight and you play on campus sites over the course of 10 days, um, probably not going to work out for you. Um, the Mac is still scheduled for Atlantic City. Um, I think they are very committed to that um, because they 
really wanted to be there last March. Mm -hmm. And obviously that didn't go super. Um, But I I think I wouldn't say 100%, though, but that's where that tournament takes place, because I think they're, you know, these leagues are going to have to figure out what can actually be done. um, And it might not be what they want it to be here uh, in late November. Another question, and this will be the final question, what if, let's say, Governor Cuomo or some of the governors in the other states decide to put travel restrictions on and you have to quarantine for 14 days you're coming into the state? What happens then to the conferences? <laughs> they all, all hell breaks loose? I think, well, I think we're, we're already broken loose, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, um, you know, at least in terms of conference play, um, the MAC is a, it's a, it's a tri-state league. And those states have generally worked together that I don't think you'd have a lot of issue there just because, you know, there's been a lot of cooperation. Um, the American East has uh, UMBC in Maryland, um, and that presents a little bit more of an issue. And also just even like New York and Vermont aren't working together in the same ways that New York and Connecticut are. Um, so that maybe becomes an issue for the American East. Um but man, like who knows? <laughs> yeah, just uh, just hoping, sticks to the wall, and we get to see some basketball uh, next month or even in twenty twenty one. Hopefully this week. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully this. Week. Well, they, as we taped this on Tuesday, there's game scheduled Wednesday, so uh, yeah, and hopefully uh, later week. So, Mike, appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk uh, once if we find out we have some games going on. We'll pre- preview the seasons. <laughs> Thank you. Mike and I taped the segment Tuesday night. On Wednesday, it was announced that the Siena men's team expects to return to practice on Friday. Then it was learned that the UAlbany men's and women's teams were cleared to practice, and they were both on the floor Wednesday night. Up next, I'll speak with Jack Adams, who is moving from Union College Hockey to Providence College Hockey. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times. For most of us, the coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic. We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. 
Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you, be well, and please keep reading. Hey, this is Jake Lott, political reporter for Business Insider, and I'm a former Daily Gazette staff writer. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. My next guest was expected to be the leading scorer for the Union men's hockey team coming into his senior season and after missing his junior campaign because of a knee injury. But the coronavirus pandemic changed things. Union announced last week that it was canceling the hockey season. Now he'll play his senior year at Providence College, a school that holds a special place for him and his family. Please welcome Jack Adams. Jack, welcome back to the podcast. How are things? And happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me, man. No, I'm doing pretty well. Obviously, uh, pretty slow emotions the last 48 hours after saying goodbye to my union teammates and then uh, making the decision. But um, I'm I'm really excited for this opportunity with Providence. I can't wait to uh, meet my new teammates and get going. Obviously, your brother Rue uh, played there. Was that was that a factor? Was that an easy decision because he had played there? And uh, uh, what, did you, what was that? Was it easy? Uh, no, I don't. I don't really think that was the biggest reason. No, I mean I think that's uh, it's a really cool story that Rue played there, and um, obviously had a great impact, great legacy, won the national championship, and um, was a great teammate and a great player on that team. But I think the most important thing for me was just the uh, the hockey opportunity that was at stake. Um, I had a really good talk with Coach Lehman about uh, where I could potentially fit in, and um, with all the resources they have. And, with Coach Lehman's track record and all the great players they have to surround myself with, I mean, it was an easy decision based on the hockey, but the fact that Rue went there was uh, a huge bonus and I hope that we can, all the boys here can uh, make them proud going forward. What was the, the uh, recruiting like for, you know, for the you know, schools coming in? I mean, were there more than one school? Did you feel like a free agent with all the offers? Yeah, it was definitely a free agent market. Um, I was a little, little shocked, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I originally just thought that I would just go to Providence because of my, you know, desire to play for Coach Lehman. Um, and then I put my name in the, in the transfer portal, and it kind of just took off. And um, it happened so quick. It was all within the first 48 hours. Was my phone was ringing nonstop, and it got to the point where I have, to, I have to like take breaks, put my phone away for 20 minutes, get a break from it because I was on it so much. And it was a very um, stressful time. Um, a lot of coaches were really gracious and gave me great opportunities at their schools potentially, but um, in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be a friar, so I'm really happy with my decision. Of course, uh, Nate Lehman, you mentioned him, the former Union College coach. I, mean, I think he wasn't he looking at you uh, early on when you were younger and maybe come, have, have a chance to go to Union? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's easy to say it now, but I kind of feel like I was just meant to be a friar. Um, you know, I, I was getting recruited pretty heavily by Coach Lee when I was a Malden Catholic in high school, and I was obviously a fan of the program because Rue was playing there, and then um, we had a really good dialogue, and he really wanted to be a friar, but I just decided to uh, go the Princeton route, and then obviously that didn't work out, and I was looking at new schools after I came for Princeton, and Coach Lee was one of the guys that called again, and uh, that was, you know, less interest probably because I wasn't really established as much as a player at that point in my career. So I chose to uh, 
sort of union coach Bennett believed in me and then obviously this whole stuff happened and you know I think coach Lehman just really understands my game and I, I think that that familiarity is just so important and uh, he actually got to watch me again at development camp before I got hurt and he saw the player I was then and was um, you know really nice to me then when I saw him obviously catching up on ruin stuff so, so I think that familiarity with him is really important and obviously coach Beal is a union guy too so I know him pretty well and then uh Ron Rolston, just an amazing – you can't really say enough about Ron Rolston, the guy coaching the NHL and has a great track record. So I think with these coaches, you know, handling my development, I can't be uh, in a better position going forward. When you told your family of your decision, what was the reaction like? How emotional was it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was more emotional for my parents. I mean, I, I made this as a business decision. Um, I just think this is the best, you know, situation for my, for my hockey career going forward. And um, – uh, yeah, obviously they were. They wanted me to go to Providence because of Rue and our family situation. But um, I wanted to take my due diligence, do my research, and take my time, and keep having good conversations with Coach Lehman. And every conversation, I was just more and more convinced that that was the right spot for me. And obviously, yesterday it was, uh, you know, it was, it was definitely pretty emotional. Um, after I talked to Coach Lehman, you know, I actually—it's a funny story, Ken. Um, I talked to Coach Lehman and then committed to Providence. And then within 30 seconds after that, I saw a shooting star in the sky. So maybe the guy above Rue was watching. I was pretty happy with the decision. But um, it's just funny how things work out like that. Yeah, I was going to ask, what, what do you think he would, your brother would have thought of that decision? But uh, you just answered that beautifully right there. Uh, looking back on the union years, I mean, uh, let me let me backtrack a second. You went back to Rue a second, but you're going to wear his number four jersey. What does that mean to you? Um, I think I think that's the hardest part. I mean, that's pretty emotional, obviously. Um, but I think that's going to it's going to elevate my game to a new height that I haven't experienced yet, and it's just going to fuel my fire even more. So, do my part to help the team win. So I'm excited for it. But um, you know, once the puck drops and the practicing games, all business. So. Now, your union career obviously didn't end the way you wanted. Obviously, you, know, you played two great seasons and the knee injury, and then you were getting ready for the senior season here. And how, I mean, how devastating was it when it was announced last week that Union was was canceling the season? Yeah, I, mean, I think we're all off on of the wide range of emotions, but uh, just upsetting the entire season. And once we got to school, you know, we did everything. They asked of us, and they just couldn't, you know, put a, put a situation in place, which is fine. I totally respect the decision. I understand the decision, and I have nothing but great respect for President Harris and Jim McLaughlin, you know, and Coach Bennett. They're amazing people, and they have to do what's best for their community. But um, when that happened for me, I had to do selfishly what's best for my hockey career and uh, go down the transfer portal. So it was, it was devastating seeing guys uh, like Sean Harrison, for example, a senior who's done playing hockey. I think the hardest part for me was seeing you can't go to battle with them because our, our class is, uh, has been through a lot together and we're always going to be best friends, but not getting that last chance together will definitely uh, always sting, I guess. Yeah, obviously, you had the chance for your, for players to defer you know, their, their terms, but obviously if you decide to stay, for another, stay another year, that would have been two years out of hockey. I mean, how much would that have hurt your development? Uh, yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't, even, I didn't, didn't, I didn't consider that for one second. Um, again, it's, it's no disrespect to Union. It's an amazing program with an amazing coach. 
amazing resources and I'll always be a Dutchman, but I, that, 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 uh, that route didn't cross my sec, my, uh, my mind for one second. No, it was just, I, I, uh, I want to play professional hockey and I want to compete for a national championship and, uh, Providence just gives me the best chance to do that. How concerned are you, Jack, with the way this pandemic is really reared up again? We're seeing, uh, games, you know, schedules being, you know, basically thrown in the trash and you know, basically a, a dartboard situation. You're throwing, uh, games up and trying to see if they'll, they'll stick. I mean, do you worry about Hockey East or Providence deciding to shut things down if the things get worse? Um, no, I don't. I, I, think it's an, I think it's a national issue, not just college. I think everyone in college hockey is facing the same issue. Um, I know that Providence has invested a lot of money in testing protocols and safety things for keeping the athletes safe, the students safe, and the faculty safe, and stuff like that. So, um, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I can't really focus on that. I can't control that. And obviously, I'm just trying to give myself a chance to play. And if we can't, we can't. But um, I think we will. You know, I mean, I know that uh, Coach Liam had a pretty good quote uh, a few weeks ago saying that he doesn't expect most teams to make it through clean. But um, obviously, the school administrators and everyone else to make this decision to play. So I'm, I would, uh, I think that you know, we'll end up finishing the season, hopefully compete for a championship. What did what does Rick Bennett mean to you, um, especially after your brother's passing? You know, I was reading Mike McAdams' story, and you guys had a talk after the game at Northeastern, and because you it was that was, your brother's passing was weighing on your mind. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I don't know. It was a pretty unique relationship, I guess. Um, he was just uh, he'll always be a mentor for me. Um, he was honestly like he was like a parent. Uh, my last, my sophomore year when I was going through all the situations and we have a different relationship obviously because I'm best friends with his son Race and my, mo- my mom is really close with uh, his wife Karen and my dad and Coach Bennett are pretty close friends so um, no, he's, he's an amazing man and he's done a lot for me by developing on but especially off the ice and about teaching me to be mature and a pro and prepare like a professional and you know, just treating people the right way and work ethic. So I learned so much from him and um, obviously it was you know, difficult for me to tell him that I'm not coming back and I don't necessarily, you know, expect him to, you know, be happy about it. But, I mean, I have nothing but great respect for him and um, I hope that we can, uh, you know, stay close in the future. What will be your most memorable moment at Union? Well, that's got to be the Belfast uh, Friendship Four. Just, you know, hugging Darian and Holmeyer and Cozy and those guys in the line. I got BU. That's just... Yeah, that, was, that was pretty special, Ken. I mean, I, I, no one really expected us to win. It was a top 10 matchup for us versus BU. And um, I don't know, that's just, I think that's just Union College in a nutshell right there. You know, people don't expect much out of you, but, you know, the coaches put an amazing game plan together. And there was adversity with the finals week there. And it was across the globe. And guys were tired. And it was a tough situation. But we all just, you know, worked our asses off and came together as a family. And, and Delivered, so that was definitely one of them. And I think, honestly, um, selfishly, the Army goal was pretty special for myself and my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was uh, a pretty crazy experience I'll never forget. And getting all the support from Coach Riley and his staff after the game is something that I'll, I'll forever be grateful for in my heart. Yeah. Got some uh, comments from some uh, Union hockey fans when I posted on Facebook <laughs> that I was going to be talking to you for the podcast. Uh, Jennifer Aubrey Peterson uh, writes, "Good luck." Thank you for the ride. We felt your ups and downs and wish you the best. Um, Peter, no, Gen- I appreciate that. 
Peter Gruck says, uh, so sad. While I wish him the best, he was he will always uh, be wearing uh, garnet in my mind. So that's from Peter. Uh, John Fu, uh, I think you know John. Uh, good luck in Providence, yep. Jack, and all the best uh, in your hockey career. And Harvey Kagan, I think the diehard, most diehard Union fan I know, <laughs> says, oh, <yeah. laughs> he says, my heart is broken to lose Jack. I love him and thank him for his dedication to Union, holding out till the end in the hope that he could play another year with the Dutchman. We'll follow him with PC. He brings a lot to the table, great talent, and enormous heart. So no, I mean, I, I just, I just hope that they all know that I wanted to, play, I wanted to be a Dutchman, and I committed there for a reason, and I came back all four years for a reason because I wanted to be there and play for Coach Bennett. Um, this was out of my control, and. Obviously, no one wanted this to happen. I wanted to play my senior year, and I worked pretty hard last year to get back to this point. Obviously, unfortunately, you know this was the result. But um, no, this, 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 it's the best fan base in college hockey. It's a very special community, and all of us players are so fortunate to have that support each and every game. And um, first, it's, it's so I don't I don't think guys you know realize how amazing Union College is until you leave, and I, I'm starting to feel that right now. Yeah, uh, two more for you, Jack. Uh, Jason Valancourt. Rates uh, been inspired by how Jack has turned the tragedy and adversity of his brother's passing and turned it into positivity. While I was looking forward to seeing him finish at Union, I can't think of a better place for him to finish his college career. Best wishes, Jack. And uh, one from Jake LaHutt. Jake used to work here at the Daily Gazette, now as a political writer for uh, Business Insider, uh, big hockey fan. He writes, would love to know what he's been thinking. I'm sorry, let me start again. Would love to know what he's been hearing from the Red Wings and if he sees himself making it through their system, given how many draft picks they've been collecting each year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I appreciate the comment prior to uh, this one. Thank you very much. But, um, yeah, I bet they were on the phone with me all week uh, helping me make this decision. Uh, they've been a big part of my development, and um, it's premature for me to determine where I'm going to be from a year or two years on the road. But, um uh, they're definitely invested in my development, and I'm very confident in my abilities of playing professional hockey. But I think that Coach Lehman and Coach Dylan uh, Rolston at Providence, my new teammates, are going to help me get there. So um, again, it's I get I get the guys' comment, but I'm confident in myself. You still doing the podcast? Uh, I'm going to start it up again next spring. It's just so hard with guys and seasons and stuff like that and my school work was pretty a grind the fresh the uh, first term of union with the whole covid stuff my thesis um it luckily i don't have to take french anymore which is uh <laughs> we down across the francais legit i don't I, 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 see the teacher was amazing but it was, it was a tough it was really hard man so i'm kind of uh thrilled i'm done with that class but um no, I, I'll pick it back up in the spring. Yeah, just promote yourself there. I'll give you a chance here to promote that, what, that podcast is about because I know we talked about it earlier this year, uh, back I think back in the summertime. Yeah, it's called Athletes Over Adversity. It's on Twitter and Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, no, it's me and my trainer, Marco Sanchez, and my sister, Katie, is the editor and producer with my little brother, Matthew. So um, it just allows athletes and human beings uh, – the opportunity to share stories of what things they've gone through and how they've overcame it. Um, I think that I can, you know, attest to a lot of those characteristics with my brother and my knee and other circumstances that have happened in my life. And um, I think it's good to try and give people some light to realize that, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel when you're going through tough times. And that's the whole point of the podcast and the message. 
every person has a story. You, know, you might think that, for example, like Tom Brady is, is a six-time champion and a great guy and always kills your Eagles, Ken. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. He did not kill the Eagles in fifth Super Bowl 52. My <laughs> <laughs> guy, Nick Foles, but um, no, but Dan, uh, but he, I don't think people realize all the struggles he went through in college and stuff like that. So um, having, you know, successful guys come on and share their story, I think inspires a lot of people. That's the whole point of that. And one other thing I, I failed to mention, I should mention it right now. You wrote, you recently wrote something for the on the Detroit Red Wings red, uh, rep website about you know wanting to play hockey. You, you talk a little bit about that. Are you are you trying to get into my business now too? <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've been doing a uh, blog the Red Wings the last two years. It's called uh, You Don't Know Jack. It's just like updates on life as a college athlete and stuff like that. What the ins and outs of it. But no, I'm I'm pretty close with their. Uh, with their media, SI person, uh, Art, and he's a very good man and someone I've built a relationship with. But no, I just like, I like to put my thoughts out there sometimes and hopefully, you know, send a positive message. But no, it's, it's uh, I appreciate them giving me the opportunity to do that. Now, I'd be really impressed if you play a game, write a cover, interview yourself, and then write write the story about yourself. I don't know if I'm that good yet. <laughs> Well, Jack, I appreciate your time. Uh, congratulations, and uh, good luck at Providence. And uh, let's hope we you know, get some games in and then on, on to the pros after that. Well, I appreciate it, Kat. You've always been very fair and nice to you and my family. So uh, you're an easy on my number and my social media. Reach out. All right, appreciate it, Jack. That's Jack Adams. Up next is ECAC Hockey Commissioner Steve Hagwell. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. I'm Dr. Howard Zucker, New York State's Health Commissioner. It's flu season, and it's always a good idea to get the flu shot. But this year, it's more important than ever. A flu shot won't prevent COVID-19, but it will lower your chances of getting seriously sick from the flu. If you do get sick, the shot can lessen your symptoms and help you feel better sooner. The last thing you or the healthcare system needs during this pandemic is a bad flu season. So please, protect yourself and your community. Get a flu shot now. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. Despite seeing eight of its 12 teams opting out of the college hockey season because of the coronavirus pandemic, ECAC Hockey is attempting to have a season. On Tuesday, I spoke with ECAC Hockey Commissioner Steve Hagwell about the decision to move forward. Well, Steve, uh, thank you for a few minutes uh, coming on the podcast and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, let's get right to it here. The ECAC hockey lost eight teams, six from the Ivies, and then Union and RPI. You're down to four teams, and now St. Lawrence has had to put a pause on its season. Can the ECAC make it through this season without any further problems with just four, four uh, teams? I don't know about any further problems. We're taking it day by day, just like everybody else in all situations in life um, with this virus. And um, as of today, we are planning on moving forward. We have four teams that um, are planning on doing everything they can to to move forward and and create a a safe, excuse me, and healthy environment. And uh, to the extent that that is possible, we'll take it day by day and um, plan on doing so. 
How is the structure going to work with the schedule? How are you, you, know, you going to have, you know, what's going to determine the league games? What's going to determine non-league games between the uh, remaining schools? Well, through the end of December of this calendar year, any games that are being played uh, will be non-league games, uh, to use that term. And once January hits, um, we haven't finalized the schedule. We have a model that we've uh, walked through. Um, shared with the administrators and coaches. Hope to have it finalized very soon. Um, so, depending on January, we're building a schedule that um, you know, with four four teams, you have three opponents, and depending on how many times you'll see them, and then we need to build in some open weekends, just on the premise that something could and likely will go wrong, um, and we'll need some open weekends to to adjust accordingly. If we get to that point where we have a schedule built and uh, there's an open weekend and all has gone well, um, I'll probably pencil in some matchups ahead of time to say, look, if we get to this week in the season and and uh, nothing's happened to uh, limit the number of games, here's the here are the matchups for this weekend. So we're not there yet. We haven't finalized it yet. So hopefully within the next few days we'll have done so. How many games would you are you planning to play you know, all tall between conference and uh, non-conference games and how many you think you can get in? Um, well, the non-conference games are, are left to the discretion of the respective institutions. So uh, Hockey East, as an example, is not playing any out-of-league opponents, whereas Atlantic Hockey on the men's side and College Hockey America on the women's side are playing uh, non-league games of, against teams outside their league so that that number will vary by institution um from a league standpoint we're probably looking around 20 on the men's side um that number will deviate a little bit and on the women's side it's going to be a little bit less simply because their season ends earlier than the men um so that that'll be a factor uh we want to try to get to the threshold the ncaa threshold on the men's side is you have to have a minimum of 13 games um for the men which Normally it's 25, and they, they slash it by 50% and round it up. And then the women is typically 20, and they, the NCAA has cut that in half at 10. So we need to get to those thresholds in order to be considered, for a program to be considered for NCAA postseason play. And uh, that's what we're planning on and trying to build in a cushion because, again, something might happen. But any games that are played now through the end of the calendar year will be on the docket and just reduce the number of games that schools will have to get in in January and February. Obviously, uh, in a normal, normal year, we have travel partners like Union RPI would go to, if, you know, on the road to go to St. Lawrence Clarkson. How is this going to work without really, I mean, yeah, Clarkson and St. Lawrence are still you know, travel partners, but yeah, Colgate and Quinnipiac aren't exactly travel partners. Yeah, exactly. We're probably looking at uh, two game sets or one and ones if you do a Friday, Sunday. And we had this on the we've had this on the docket for quite some time. And again, we haven't finalized it for the record. Um, looking at a Friday Sunday scenario, it, it makes for a long trip. Specific to your comment, um, you know, Quinnipiac to the North Country um, is is quite a quite a distance and a little bit less to go to Colgate and vice versa. Um, Clarkson St. Lawrence can will have them on the schedule for a weekend, but they could, if they wanted to, on a Tuesday and, and or a Wednesday, if they desired, can play play games. If they're non-league games, they need to get in as, you know, they want to get in as many games as they can, that's fine. Um, again, from a non-league standpoint, if I can use that term, yeah. uh, we're going to let the institutions determine whether they want to fill the schedule that way. What happens, Steve, if, let's say, Governor Cuomo 
issues a travel ban or you know, if anybody's coming out of state, they got to quarantine for 14 days. You're looking at a team like Quinnipiac from Hamden, Connecticut. What happens then? I mean, what, does that throw things into chaos? Well, that's a great question if and when it happens. I mean, we'll, we'll plan accordingly, but uh, are you saying if uh, you, they, New York State, as the example, deviated from the contiguous states um, well, I mean, if, plan that currently have? Well, I mean, yeah, if, it is, if, they, if Cuomo decides that you know, the virus is getting you know, worse, I mean, you have, you know, you know, have people from out of state, not, if they do come here, they got to quarantine yeah. for, for two weeks. Yeah, uh, we're going to always abide by the, the new state laws and the local laws and, and, and you know, whatever communities the, the schools are in. So if and when that happens, we're going to abide by it. I mean, we're certainly not going to try to push push to go outside of the discretion of, of what the new of what New York State lays down and says you can or cannot do. Was there ever talk, was it ever talked about maybe having a, a bubble situation? Imagine which maybe more of the teams maybe if you had let's say Union RPI involved, would you be able to you know, yeah have teams come in and just play in a bubble for a, a, a few weeks? We did we did look at it um, early on and that was when all twelve were in. Um, since the four that are in, we, ha- we haven't looked at it just because of the geography. Um, we- we've talked a lot about uh, in early January when there will be a quasi-bubble, if I can use that phrase, because students aren't going to be on campus. Um, classes for, for these institutions won't be uh, you know, in play on campus and try to get in as many games in January um, as we can when the students, uh, student body is away. We did talk a little bit about, um, you know, a bubble within the league and, and what would make sense and what options were available, um, and, and it just didn't go very far. There certainly are a lot of issues with that. There's certainly a financial commitment and issue with that, so it, it just didn't work out. Steve Agwell joining us here on the Parting Shots podcast. Uh, Steve, obviously this league is, unlike the other leagues, had the Ivy League component here, and that probably uh, – that's why a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people were wondering what the league was going to do, what the league was going to do. While others, they saw the leagues making their plans. Obviously, the, the Ivy League uh, was is contingent on what the, the league was going to do with the Ivy Leagues. And when the Ivies announced, what was your initial reaction to that when they uh, decided to uh, cancel winter sports? Uh, it's hard to describe, Ken. As much as you know, the thoughts that went through my head, they were going to let them play. They were going to let them make institutional decisions on their own. They were going to uh, decide as a group. You know, I was all over the map. I didn't know. And even as much as I planned and tried to prepare myself mentally for that uh, decision, when it happened, it's, it still hits you hard. And, and, and it did. And I, I have total respect for the decision. I mean, these decisions on any campus, not just ours, uh, our member institutions, they're, they're not made in a vacuum. They're, they're using the data. They're determining what's best on, on, on their respective campuses. And so I, 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 don't, I don't have any disrespect or any, any negativity towards those decisions. I, I'm very, and we as a staff are very sorry for the student athletes, the coaches, the staff of all the programs. We know how important and, uh, it is to them and how they wanted to play. And, and at the end of the day, um, will abide by what the institutions decide on their own. And then shortly after that, with RPI, then Union made their announcements that they were canceling uh, the college hockey season for them. So what was that, at that point? At that point, what was 
going through your mind? It's the same thing. I mean, uh, with respect to their programs and their decision, and, and it just until it happens and they give you the official word, um, it just it, it's it's just different from what I planned in my mind. But having said that, you know, then I realized we were down to four schools and and the NCA at the time, and they still have it in the fall sports. The Division One Council um, changed the dynamics, if you will, with regard to automatic qualification, and said. You need three core members in order for a league to get an automatic bid. We, we had our calls with our administrators and our coaches, which we were having weekly um, since uh, since summer. And um, at this point, we're going on the premise that precedent has been set by the NCA. Uh, the council will meet on December 16th, is my understanding, and hopefully for winter sports and at some point for spring. Um, we're hopeful that they will abide by the same decision they made with regard to fall sports and say, if you have three core members, you get an automatic bid. And so from a league standpoint, that would be uh, beneficial to us. What plans were in place? Had it been a 12 team uh, uh, league this year, everything you know, worked out where, cause I think there was a report, but I think by college hockey news that there was a, you know, split, the ECAC was going to split into two divisions, a, a New York State division, in effect, with uh, all the schools that were in New York State in one division and uh, the other schools like Quinnipiac, Princeton, Harvard, Dartmouth, uh, Yale, all those uh, other schools was go- were going to be another another division. They wouldn't meet till, uh the tournament. Yeah, we, we, we had discussions on that and, and had drafted some schedule models and, and presented them. They were never officially adopted since that didn't play out. But we were looking at, okay, what's the best scenario we can put forward, number one, uh, to ensure, if that's even possible, a safe and healthy environment and, and for the student-athletes and the participants and the coaches and so on and, and how to reduce the, the travel and or overnights um, with regard to games being played. So, you know, there, there were a variety of models on the table. Um, unfortunately, we never got to realize it, but we had some plans in place for 12 teams that we felt would provide the environment that, um, to the, again, the extent that it, we can provide it, we're a safe and healthy environment. And it just never materialized. So at this point, they were just models that were on the table and didn't get realized. How does this affect the ECAC hockey teams, the league itself? Because we're, we're seeing a number of players entering the transfer portal now. Uh, does it mean, are we seeing maybe long-term ramifications from the decision for some of these schools that uh, not playing hockey that they could be, really be uh, behind the eight ball for a few years after after once yeah. they get back to normal? Yeah, I, I, I can't answer that question. I'm sure there are some people who are a lot smarter on that front <laughs> than, than I am. I, I hope not, certainly from, from our standpoint in this league and that the institution, that there's not a, um, you know, some residual effect in a big way. Um, I'm sure there is some. And, um, yeah, we're just, again, the stuff that you can't control, and and um, I guess we'll see moving forward. What about a postseason tournament for ECAC? What's, is, there, is there going to be one, or uh, is it going to be the, the, the first place winner gets the, the automatic bid? We, we haven't finalized that, Ken. We, we've, we've had some discussion on, on what we're looking at, and uh, when we have the schedule finalized, um, I'm, I'm sure we'll – finalize the postseason um, from that standpoint. How confident are you in this season, even if there's some pauses, that the season will be played out to its entirety? Uh, 
that's a great question. I, I'm not avoiding it. I'm taking it day by day. I, I, I really don't know. It, it, it's something different every day. And it's not just in this, my small world at um, college athletics here. It, it's happening every morning I wake up at something different. And um, so I, I really don't know. Um, and uh, I really haven't thought about, you know, am I 70%, 60%, 80%, whatever the number may be. Um, I'm not on that track. Yeah, it's kind of scary because, I mean, obviously we see Hockey East starting up and then we see Vermont uh, postponing things shortly after the announcement and we see some other schools, you know, they're you know, scrambling to redo their schedule and uh, the NCHC is going to be doing pods. So, And I think it's just, it's just all on Tuesday that another school, I think Minnesota State may have been uh, uh, post, uh, put on pause, I believe. So it's, it's we don't know at this point what's going to happen. We, I, I saw a tweet from Rick Pitino saying maybe they should put the, push the basketball tournament back to, to into may maybe hockey should do the same thing that that's been a question that um that's been asked of the ncaa staff um a number of times uh, over the past several months and um at this point as you know the, the ncaa from a basketball standpoint is looking at bringing everything to indianapolis on the men's side i believe i could be mistaken that they're looking at doing the same thing on the women's basketball side in san antonio um, could they move the dates? I mean, I, I'm aware that there are discussions being had with the respective sites that are um, selected as the championship frozen four sites for men and women. Um, there's a lot of variables to play, but at this point, um, you know, I defer to the NCAA staff. Steve Agnew, ECAC Hockey Commissioner, joining us. Uh, appreciate a few minutes, Steve, and uh, let's see if we get through the season. And uh, hopefully, uh, if we're talking at this time next year, things are back to normal. I agree, Ken. Thank you very much. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Hey, football fans. The Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest is back. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets their name in Thursday's Daily Gazette and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery gift card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. To play, go to dailygazette.com football and create your account or use your past account. Select the teams you think will win. You may enter your picks and score predictions five minutes before the start of each game. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com football. For questions concerning the local contest, Contact Randy Lewis at rlewis at dailygazette.net. The trip to Hawaii is part of a national contest. The You Pick a Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, I'm Albany women's lacrosse coach Katie Rowan Thompson. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast... Check out my Parting Shots blog for my Week 12 NFL picks and TV listings. Go to dailygazette.com slash category slash sports slash parting dash shots. Once again, I am going head-to-head with Daily Gazette news columnist Sarah Foss. Sarah went 8-6 last week to improve to 108-52-1. I was 7-7 to go to 104-56-1. Keep checking out dailygazette.com in the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. 
We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. The second wave of the coronavirus is hitting us, so please be vigilant. Keep wearing the face mask while you're out. Be positive by being negative. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Michael Kelly, Jack Adams, and Steve Hagwell for coming on the show. I would like to tell you that the Parting Shots podcast is now available on Stitcher, so please subscribe to it there. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, be smart, stay safe, wear the face mask, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.